You're now listening to Locked On 76ers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Today, we're going to be dissecting a huge win over the Milwaukee Bucks. Let's get into it. You are Locked On 76ers, your daily Philadelphia 76ers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome, welcome, welcome. What's going on, everybody? Welcome into Locked On 76ers. Thank you so much for making us your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. Now, today, guys, is um, I have a couple of announcements for you all. Um, this is going to be a solo pod. Keith Pompey, the OG of the Philadelphia Inquirer, he can't join me um, on this pod episode because there's a lot of travel issues that I'm going to explain uh, over the, over these next you know 28 minutes or so that you guys have are going to listen to me in the morning. Um, as you all know, I am Kai Carlin of Sixers Wire. I'm going to be your host on this Friday morning. We're going to be going over uh, a huge win over the Milwaukee Bucks. We're going to be talking about uh, George Niang and and you know the role that he's going to play him and Matisse Thybulle and everybody else. We're also going to get into who I think is the biggest you know the biggest takeaways of this first kind of 70% of the season as we head into the all-star break. Um, so, guys, the, the 76ers were able to knock off the Milwaukee Bucks. Oh, actually, real quick, before we even get into that, this will be my final podcast, everybody. Um, I'm, I'm going to turn it over to the OG again, Keith Pompey. Um, I have received a promotion over at USA Today, which is where I work. Obviously, with Sixers Wire and everything, I've been uh, offered a promotion. Um, so I, I take I took it. It's a full-time gig, and you know, moving on up in, in this world. So this is going to, I can't, that means I can't podcast anymore for locked on. Uh, I'm not sure who they're going to have to replace me, or maybe they'll just have the OG. Uh, we'll see, but I want to thank you all for listening and, and everything else. You know, it means a lot. I, I appreciate you guys. Uh, I was here roughly for about four weeks, a little bit, a little over four. So I appreciate it all. Uh, with that being said, the 76ers did knock off the Milwaukee Bucks uh, Thursday night on the road. They were able to come away 123 to 120. And it really was a really big bounce back effort for them, especially after they lost by 48 points on Tuesday to the Boston Celtics. It was just like that game was just terrible. They didn't have it from the jump. Uh, they struggled on the on the offensive end. Uh, they couldn't stop Boston on, on the other end. The Celtics hit 25 three-pointers. It was just one of those games, man, where just – and I guess this happens in the NBA because, I mean, when you look at Boston, right, they ended up losing to the east-worst Detroit Pistons at home the next night. So, you know, it kind of goes to show uh, when it comes to these ups and downs of a long 82-game NBA season and, and, and just, you know, the highs and lows, it's, it's crazy. And the Sixers definitely had a low, but then they bounced back with a high. And again, just it's one of those things you, you sit back and you're like, oh, you know what? This is why the NBA is 82 games. You know, like it's, it's just one of those things where you, you, you play really well, but then you're also going to have some really down games. It happens. It's the way the league is. It's the way the league is set up. And uh, there's really nothing that, that, you know, you could do about it. You just have to kind of learn from each each experience, I guess, especially in this league. I have a, a carton of chocolate milk, so if you – if you hear me um, go, go, you know, go through some silences because I'm taking a swig like I'm about to right now. So the Sixers were able to get a huge performance out of Joel Embiid. My goodness gracious. The big fella, 42 points, 14 rebounds, 5 assists. He did have 5 fouls. He did have 6 turnovers. 
you know, like those are always a big bugaboo with him, with him uh, specifically those turnovers. Um, but he, he played he played really well. Uh, obviously, I mean, the forty two points he shot. Uh, 14 for 21 from the floor. He was 11 for 14 from the free throw line. It was one of those performances where, again, you just kind of look at Joel and you kind of realize, like, this guy is, could just continues to take his game to the next level. Uh, just you, you can't stop him. Uh, the Bucks sent waves and waves of double teams, triple teams, um, different defensive schemes all night long to try to confuse him. Um, he couldn't do it. Uh, they couldn't do it. And Joel really kind of made them look silly. It was just, it was just crazy. I mean, he did get some help. Uh, Tobias Harris, Tobias Harris had a big bounce back night. He had 19 points. This comes after he only had six against the Celtics. He also took 20 shots against Milwaukee on Thursday, um, and he only took, I think, seven shots against Boston on Tuesday. So again, that's a huge um, help when Tobias Harris is able to kind of get involved with the team on the offensive end of the floor. Like that's a huge thing. Tyrese Maxey had 19 points of his own. 14 came in a really big flurry in the second quarter, and it was when James Harden, who made the trip with the team here in Milwaukee, you know, I snapped, I took a pic of, of that on shoot around um, and put on Twitter when I was here in Milwaukee. Um, you know, at the arena, Pfizer Forum is a beautiful arena, by the way. Uh, shout out to the city of Milwaukee and, and, the, and the Bucks organization; they did a hell of a job with that arena. Um, to Mac Maxi, he he got a little bit of a talking to from Harden. It just it kind of looked like he was hesitating on a lot of drives. Um, Harden really kind of got in his ear and said, "Yo, stop with the you know the BS. Just attack. You are who you are. Get to the basket." And then yeah, he had a flurry of 14 points in the second quarter, where Philadelphia turned a 12 point deficit in the second quarter to all of a sudden they were up eight. Uh, going into the half so it, it was a really huge effort it's one of those things where it just it kind of gave the team a bit of a flurry a bit of a spark that, that that was a really important run I feel like in the game especially because the it looked like the Bucks were definitely just going to take over from the jump it really um like Milwaukee was getting whatever they want um they were getting open threes Jordan Nwarwa was really making a huge impact uh you know Drew Holiday was making a, a really huge impact uh Chris Middleton had a bit of an off night um you know, he ended up scoring 19 points, but he shot 6 for 20. He was 2 for 12 from deep. Um, you know, he had three fouls. He had two turnovers. It really wasn't the type of game that yeah, you expect at a, at a Chris Middleton. Uh, just a really tough night. So the Sixers were able to kind of contain him a little bit. Um, Bobby Portis had a rough night. He only shot 1 for 7 from deep, although he, had, he ended up with 17 points. But the fact that he held him at 1 for 7 from deep was huge. Serge Ibaka was only 1 for 5 from deep. Wesley Matthews only made one three. Um, you know, Nora hit four threes for Milwaukee. So he, that was kind of like the big game for the Bucks. And then, listen, Giannis, Giannis had 32-11-9. And everybody's going to be like, oh, you know, damn, Giannis killed the Sixers. But we, if you watch that game, a lot of that was the fact that Giannis made a ton of tough shots. And, you know, give credit to George Niang. I mean, Niang – well, was huge. I thought Niang really did a hell of a job uh, getting into Giannis's space, really forcing him into tough looks. Giannis again was making shots because like that's who he is, that's what he does. He's an elite player, obviously. Uh, you know the 2021 Finals MVP. He was the uh, you know he's a he's won the MVP award a couple of times. Like Gian- Giannis is who he is. You're not going to stop Giannis. You have to contain him. Um, so 
it doesn't surprise me that Antetokounmpo had the stat line that he did, but he made a lot a lot of his shots were tough. And give credit to Niang and, and even Joel, again, on the defensive end, just at being, you know, back there at last line of defense and really making life tough for Antetokounmpo all night long. It was a hell of an effort. And on the other end, Niang hits five threes. And he took ten. You know, like, that. that's what you need from him. And, again, I go back to Harden and how he was so big on Tyrese Maxey. Uh, Niang, after the game, said – uh, Harden was on him early in that game and said, yo, try to get up 10 threes. That's, that's what you do. That's who you are. You're a three-point shooter, right? Go out there and get the job done. Hell of a performance for George Niang. Hell of a win for the 76ers. And now they go into the All-Star break, despite everything that's going on around this team, from Ben Simmons to um, James Harden to the injuries to COVID and everything else in between, this team is going to go into the All-Star break. Uh, as the number three seed in the Eastern Conference. Really, I feel like Doc Rivers, you know, you got to give him credit as well. I know the fans don't, but you have to give him credit. On the other side of the break, we're going to be discussing a little bit more about uh, the Sixers-Bucks game. We're going to get in the, in the Niang a little bit, getting the Harden a little bit, uh, Matisse, Furkan. There's going to be a lot of things I want to touch on. But first, we're going to hear from Bet Online. Football might be over this season, but basketball is in full steam for both pro and college hoops. From all the latest odds, totals, player performance props to where the next fired coach is going to land, BetOnline.net is the number one spot for all your sports betting needs. Bet Online remains the best spot for all of your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. And it's not just basketball. BetOnline.net is your source for hockey, boxing, and UFC odds, right to the Olympic coverage and information. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action. Bet Online, where the game starts. Thank you for making Locked On 76ers your first listen. For your next listen, make sure you check out the Locked On Now podcast. Nightly recaps of every NBA game with analysis from our local experts. Listen in to Locked On Now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or watch it on the Locked On NBA YouTube channel. All right, guys. So the Sixers, they made a little bit of an, an adjustment in the second half, right? Matisse Thybul, I thought he had a pretty good, day, uh, pretty good game defensively. There were a couple plays that he made that, you know, made my eyes go wide, which is normal. I mean, it's Matisse Thibel. We all know this guy, what, what he brings to the table. He's an elite defender. Um, first team all, all defense, I feel like he should be this year. He's he's really incredible, you know, when you think about what he does on the defensive end. The way that Matisse can disrupt the team's game plan with his length, his defensive acumen, his IQ, it's, just, it's impressive. It really is. You have to give him a ton of credit. Here's my thing, though, and this is what I, I, I've been saying on the pod a couple of times, and Keith and I have kind of gone back and forth with this. Thibel, it just when he's not making threes, you can't have him out there. You just can't sometimes, you know. And you know, like Milwaukee was so egregious with playing off of Matisse, right? Like it, it made Giannis's life easy in all honesty. Like they didn't have to, you know, really do anything. It was just, you know, Giannis was just a, a roamer. He literally was just sat in the paint and, you know, just let Thibault fire away, you know, from deep. And, and really Matisse only took one three, but he missed it. Um, I think he finished with one point on the night. Um, the, let, let me, let me double check that. Um, no, Matisse was actually scoreless. He was over one from the floor and, he only had one assist. He had a nice block. Like I said, it was a really impressive block that made me go, wow. But just when you look at Matisse, he, he needs to add a three-point shot. I think he knows that. The team probably knows that. And, and he's working on it. It's not, it's not like he doesn't. Um, he, not like he doesn't know that and not like he, like he just refuses to work on it. No, Matisse works on it a lot. 
is just at at, the, at this point, um, like it, it's tough. It really is tough to throw them out there, especially when you, you know you're playing a team like the Bucks, who's so long, and, and and they're a team that offers a lot of. Um, they're a great defensive team that they give a lot of issues with forcing turnovers and getting out in the open court. It's you, you, you know, like if you're not if you're not able to space to properly space the Bucks, you're just not going to beat them. And that's why Doc went to Furkan Korkmaz in the second half. And, you know, give Furkan credit. Uh, he had a 40-game stretch. We talked about it leading into the game where he only shot 24.2% from deep. I mean, just it was like he was another one where it's just like, if you aren't making threes, what are you doing out there on the floor, right? It's just there are a couple of things that if Furkan's not making threes, you can't have him out there. Um, same thing with Matisse. If Matisse isn't flying around there and disrupting teams' game plans and everything else, you can't have him out there because Matisse can't shoot. And at least Matisse at least does shoot. You know that that's definitely a really good thing. But if he's not knocking down threes, you you can't have him out there. You don't unless unless he's disrupting the other team's game plan. You just can't have him out there. Same thing with Furkan. If Furkan's not making threes, you can't have Furk out there, especially against a team like the Bucks. That will take advantage of him. They will switch him in the pick and roll, have him on Giannis, and they will make his life miserable. So, on, and on this night, Furkan was able to make his three pointers. He finished with seven. He finished with uh, thirteen points and seven rebounds on the night. He hit three threes on the night. He was three for four from deep. That's really really good. That's what you need from Furk. Um, he hit two big threes in the third quarter. There was one uh, to start the third. He hit one in the corner, and then they came down and set him up again in the other corner. You know, that's something that, you know, again, the Sixers will take that night in and night out. Like, they need Furkan to really try to find some consistency. And for their sake, they better hope that he finds it after the All-Star break because he's going to play a huge role in what the Sixers are going to do over these final 24 games, especially with James Harden coming back. And and then that kind of segues into my next uh, point here. I kind of touched on Harden here in the first segment. <clears throat> Excuse me. I got a tickle in my throat. I, you know, you look at James Harden, and we all know what he brings, right? Future Hall of Famer. Um, the dude's an elite scorer. He's an elite playmaker. There's just so much that he can do. It's incredible um, what he can really do. He's really a basketball savant, if you think about it. Like, that guy, that guy's a hooper. And, and, you know, I don't know what to make of this, of all this early. Uh, his leadership, you know, as, you know, as, as a teammate and things like things like that, it's going to be a good thing. It has to be the fact that one of the best players in the game, one of the best players really in the history of the game, Harden has been just really good on the bench. Harden traveled obviously with the team to Milwaukee, and it wasn't even Philadelphia's idea; it was his. Coach Doc Rivers said at shoot around on Thursday morning that James was like, "Hey, let me let me go on this trip." Let me bond with the guys a little bit. Let me try to build some team chemistry before I even step out onto the floor. And, again, that's a really huge thing, right? Like, that that's a huge thing for the Sixers right now, especially when you've got 24 games left. Now, Doc Rivers, you know, he he's coached some great players. We all know that from, you know, Paul Pierce, Kevin Garnett, and Ray Allen to Tracy McGrady to Blake Griffin to Chris Paul to um, – you know, Kawhi Leonard and Paul George, and then now here in Philadelphia with, you know, Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid and now James Harden. And when he was in Boston with with those three guys, 
they, they won the championship in their first year as as a big three, as a, as a trio. And they had to go through some tough times, man. Yeah, if you, if you look back at that 08 title run, right, the Celtics had to play the pesky Atlanta Hawks, right? They had to play the Atlanta Hawks round one. And the Hawks at the time, that was the beginning of the Hawks era. You know, Joe Johnson, Josh Smith, Mike Bibby, Al Horford, um, Marvin Williams, and the Hawks get in trouble. Seven-game series. Boston had to pull it out in seven games. Then they go face Cleveland, who they know that was LeBron's first run in Cleveland and everything that went on with the Cavaliers. And at that time, it was really just LeBron um, and a bunch of you know really good players that fit their role. And Celtics had to go seven games with them. And then they had to beat the Detroit Pistons. And then they knocked off Kobe Bryant and the Lakers in, in the uh, the NBA Finals. They were able to get it together that one year. Obviously, the Sixers don't have the same type of time, right? Like, that Celtic team had 82 games together. They had a training camp together. They had a preseason together. You know? They're, they're, the Sixers team is going to have 24 games to figure this out. Think about that. 24 games. 24 games to understand your teammates to understand your roles, to understand where each player likes the ball, to understand where each player you know works in, from the floor in terms of his spot and everything else in between. Like no, it's just it's going to. I'm not. Let me take that back. Not no, but like it's going to be tough. It's going to be extremely tough. And Joel Embiid even admitted that. Um, he joined Scott Van Pelt on Sports Center uh, in the wee hours of Thursday morning, and you know Joel was like, "Listen, you know, I get it." We don't have much time, and it's going to be tough. You look around the Eastern Conference. There's us. There's Brooklyn. There's um, uh, who else? There's Milwaukee. There's Cleveland. There's Miami. There's Chicago. You know, like there's some tough teams in the East. We got to figure it out. And it's good for Joel to really say that. It's good for him to acknowledge that this is going to be tough because we all know it. But it wouldn't be worth fighting for. If it was easy, right? If it's tough and you and you have to be able to fight through the battles and the tribulations of being able to keep pushing forward, no matter what's going on, go through the ups and the downs and everything else in between, you got to buy in. You have to. And that's something Doc Rivers mentioned at Shoot Around on Thursday. It's something that he's probably going to be preaching to his team all throughout the All-Star break and leading into these final these final um, you know quarter of the season and then going into the postseason. It just, there's going to be a lot that the Sixers are going to have to figure out. Um. You know, obviously, like, we all know what this team can be, but they're going to have to get it done out on the floor for for sure, or else, you know, they're going to have to go through another year of scrutiny. All right, coming up uh, in the final segment, I'm going to be talking about I'm, – I'm actually going to get into, like, you know, my, my surprises in the first half, but also I'm going to tell, you know, again, more NBA beat writer travel stories. There's, there's a lot going on. But first, we're going to hear from Bill Barr. It's the new year, so that means New Year's resolutions, right? If yours is about getting fit or eating healthier, make sure you include Bilt Bar in your plan. Bilt Bar is the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar, maybe even better than a candy bar. Bilt Bar makes it easier to stick to your resolution because it tastes so good, you'll want to eat it. Unlike other protein bars, which can be chalky or, or waxy or taste like a chemical spill. You want to eat healthy, but just gets so boring. By like week three, you might be thinking, this is just not worth it. Where's the chocolate? Bilt Bars are covered in 100% real chocolate. Most Bilt Bars contain 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 net carbs, and 17 grams of protein. Compare that to a candy bar, which usually has around 240 calories 
calories, 30 grams of sugar, and dozens of net carbs. And there's so many flavors to choose from. Coconut almond, peanut butter brownie, raspberry, cookies and cream, salted caramel, mint brownie, and many more. In fact, Built is always coming out with new limited time flavors. So check out Built.com often to see what's new. Go to Built.com, use promo code LOCKED15 and get 15% off your order. Use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. All right, guys. So I'm going to kind of recap these first 70% of the season or so, right? They're 58 games in. Uh, 76ers are now 34 and 24. Excuse me. I should take that back. They are 35 and 23 on the season. The reason why I said 34 and 24, honestly, guys, I assume Thursday is going to be a loss. I'll admit it. I know you all know it. I've said it on the podcast a couple of times. I've said it in radio updates. If you, if you listen to me on the radio a couple of times, like I thought this was going to be a loss. I'm not afraid to admit it. Hell, hell, give the Sixers a ton of credit. Seriously, hell of a win for them. And like I said, going into the break, this team is now the number three seed. They are tied with the Cleveland Cavaliers and the Milwaukee Bucks. Um, but they are percentage points ahead of the Bucks, and then they currently own the tiebreaker over the Cavaliers, so they have the same winning percentage. Uh, but Sixers obviously knocked off the Cavs in their first matchup of the season. Then they're two and a half games back of both the Miami Heat and the Chicago Bulls, who are tied for the number one seed. Right now it's currently Miami sitting atop the Eastern Conference. So, honestly, man, I mean, the, the most impressive part about this first half and, and not, I shouldn't say first half. I mean, it's obviously way more than halfway through the season. But, I mean, hell, Joel Embiid, my God. Like, I'm pretty sure we all knew how good Joel was, right? You know, Joel, he's a runner, MVP runner-up in 2021. Um, he was a guy who literally was throwing the Sixers on his back in, in games. And, and he was a huge part of, you know, Philadelphia's success. And he's he really kind of fully entrenched himself, really, in kind of like the NBA as like a like a legitimately top ten guy, and pop, pop probably even top five, he's been great. And just I feel like Joel has just kind of understood that you know through this first fifty eight games of the year, he's got to be the man, right? Like he has to step up and he has to be the guy to ensure that the Sixers have the success that they believe they can have. Um, and then at this point, it's just all about going out there and doing it that's always kind of the biggest thing with joel you have to he has to be able to understand like his role with this team he has to be able to understand um what he has to do to have the success that the sixers want to have and he you know he's kind of stepping up and i feel like that's the most impressive part for me is his leadership it's it's a lot of different things that just he really never did before that was always kind of the biggest thing with me, and I feel like Joel has really taken a step forward as a as a leader, as another player, or just everything else. He, he he's been great. Um, that's kind of number one for me. Another one is Tobias Harris. And, you know, we talked about this a couple of times, and this can kind of be coupled with Tyrese Maxey too, I guess. Tobias is obviously he, he he's having his best year of his career in 2020-21. I'm telling you, I thought Tobias should have been an All Star in 2021 just when you look at his numbers and his clutch performances his efficiency on a number one seed in the east tobias harris should have been an all-star in 2021 like there's no doubt in my mind he should have been an all-star but he comes back this year there's no ben simmons there's still a lot for them to kind of figure out um tobias has to do more he has to put the ball on the floor he has to you know, he even has to handle the ball and get the team into his offense a little bit. It's been crazy. And 
you know, then Tyrese kind of began to understand how to play point guard. He kind of understand like what it takes to not only score on his own, but also distribute for his teammates and make sure that they get into a rhythm. And that's when Tobias was able to get it going, right? I mean, Tobias had like a little stretch there. I think it was a uh, 12 or 13 games where he was averaging over 21 and he was shooting 50% from the floor, 50% from deep. Kind of began looking like Tobias again. And I feel like that's going to be key for uh, for the Sixers moving forward. They are going to need Tobias to be Tobias. It's just, it's it's essential, right? Um, and I feel like when James Harden does step on the floor for the Philadelphia 76ers, that it's going to make his life easier. Um, it's going to make Joel's life easier. It's going to make Maxie's life a little easier. Danny Green is another one that, you know, he's going to have to be able to step up and knock down three pointers and find consistency again. It's going to be um, very important. I'll say imperative, really, for the Sixers to find a way to get Danny Green going. Because if you don't, I'm telling you, the, the Sixers, you know, they are they're going to be in trouble because, you know, they need another, they need a productive wing player at this point, especially, you know, after losing, not losing, but like moving Seth Curry and to include him in the Ben Simmons deal to send him to Brooklyn. Um, you know, like there's, there's going to be a lot that's going on. This, these first 58 games kind of showed a lot to me about the Sixers. Uh, we're still not, we still don't really have a clear idea of what the team can be because obviously they made the Harden deal, but through the first 58 games, man, I feel like the Sixers showed off a lot of resiliency. I feel like they showed off a lot of intensity. I feel like they showed off a lot of championship medal, I'll say. Uh, and, that, and that's not to say the Sixers are winning a championship. I need everybody to kind of, you know, forget that. What I'm saying by the medal is any any weak-minded team would have folded by now. What I mean by that is this team has been thrown – this team's had a lot thrown at them. Right. This team has had the Ben Simmons saga. This team has had the continued injuries. This team has had the COVID issues. There has been so much going on surrounding the 76ers. And then they're sitting at 35 and 23 heading into the break. You got to give them a ton of credit. And that's why I think Doc Rivers should be in the running for coach of the year, especially, you know, because, again, you consider everything that's going on around this team. And then they still are sitting as the number three seed heading into the break. It's it's an impressive job. You got to give credit where credit is due, right? And that's something I know Sixers fans have a – they got issues doing that. But, yeah, you got to give credit where credit is due. And I feel like Doc deserves, um, you know, some of the credit here. Now, real quick, I'm going to end off this final podcast uh, like this. Here's why Keith can't uh, hop on the pod tonight. So I'm going to tell – or excuse me, this morning. I'm going to tell you why. So – Currently, it is 1.32 in the morning central time, Milwaukee time. I'm sitting here. I'm in my hotel room, um, you know, in Milwaukee. And Keith has to go to Cleveland for the All-Star game. I, myself, I'm not going to Cleveland. I'm going home. I'm going relaxing for a couple of days. And then I have to head to Minnesota for next week for possibly James Harden's NBA. Uh, not NBA. What the hell? Sixers debut. So, Keith... Was supposed to hop on with me, obviously, but he had a flight at 5.50 a.m. Central Time out of Milwaukee to go to Chicago and then go to Cleveland because there's no direct flight for some reason from Milwaukee to Cleveland. But my man had the Milwaukee, the Chicago leg of it canceled in the middle of the game, third quarter. I see Keith freak out. My man is stressed. That bald head is sweating. My man is so upset. 
and I would be too, rightfully so. My goodness gracious. And Keith had to rebook his flight from Chicago to Cleveland, but now he has to get up very, very early in order to catch an Uber to go from Milwaukee to the Chicago airport and hop on a flight to Cleveland. And this is why life as an NBA beat writer, it's a lot of fun. I mean, damn, like, like this job is incredible, right? But, you know, it's, uh, it, 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 doesn't, it, it also has, you know, a lot of pitfalls you got to fight through and you got to be able to kind of battle adversity. You got to figure things out, you know, on the fly. And, you know, so good luck to Keith. I hope he catches his flight. I hope he gets some sleep, man. You know, I, I hope he, he gets some type of sleep and is able to, you know, function when he gets to Cleveland on Friday. Um, All-Star Weekend. Tyrese Maxey's in the Rising Stars Challenge. Joel Embiid is in the All-Star Game. Uh, check that out. So, listen, for what for one final time, actually here, let me tell you guys real quick uh, about Locked On Bets. Listen, I want to thank you all so much, again, for giving support for me. Uh, thank you so much for making Locked On 76ers your first listen every day. But I need you to go make your second listen Locked On Bets, your daily one-stop shop for all your gambling needs. Locked On Bets, hosted by your boy Q with expert analysis and insight from Lee Sterling. It's free and available wherever you get podcasts. I want to thank you all so much uh, for supporting me here at Locked On 76ers. Um, whatever they do with the podcast next, I hope you all continue to listen, continue to support the OG, Keith Pompey. And for one final time, Kai Carlin of Sixers Wire USA Today, I'm out. I hope you guys enjoyed your time. Have a good one. Deuces.